The following BLTV program is brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Please enjoy. Thanks for listening to the On Purpose Growth Podcast. Let us know what you thought in the comment section. For more from On Purpose Growth, go to onpurposegrowth.com. Subscribe here at BLTV for all of our content, including the daily Learn About Law podcast, Seize Your Business, Making Real Estate Fun, and Logical Logistics podcast brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Welcome back to uh, this episode of the On Purpose Growth podcast. Uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in again. And uh, today I've got Claire Chandler from uh, uh, Talent talent boost and uh that's a it's a it's a leadership consulting business and i'll let her explain really what that is because what you probably think um that is you're labeling it something different um so she'll go into that but what we're going to be talking about today is um you know growing and scaling a a business is not um easy uh uh, and it can you can make it easier than you think if you understand what those growing pains are that that you get um, while you're scale, scaling. So that's really what Claire here um, is an expert at. So um, we're going to be talking about today that about that today. But Claire, why don't you give everybody um, a little introduction of yourself and 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 your business, and and then we'll dive right in. Sure, sounds great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be mm-hmm. here. Um, so I am the president and founder of Talent Boost, as you mentioned, um, and a lot of people hear the, the term Talent Boost and immediately think, oh, she's a recruiter, um, right? And, and I do get those inquiries quite a bit, um, but actually what the business centers on is helping um, CEOs, founders, owners of businesses that are looking to scale um, and help them do that. Um, in a in a less painful way, right? So reducing their growing pains, um, reducing their performance bottlenecks, and all of the things that kind of thwart that that hunger and that ambition to to grow. Um, so that's kind of what we're what I am focused on. Uh, I founded the business in 2013 um, after having uh, spent most of my career in in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing that after swearing, I would never work in corporate, but you know, never stay. <laughs> that's never, another right? episode. That's another, that's another episode. That's, a, that's another episode. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I, I, uh, I left in, in 2011, um, kind of, uh, felt my way around for a couple of years until I really sort of nailed down what my niche, uh, specialty would be and formed talent boost in 2013. So, um, so I love that you talk about like bottlenecks because because in in our business in our purpose growth it's all about bottlenecks in sales processes sales systems and whatnot. So um, when you think about uh, the the challenges that 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 people have in growing and scaling those bottlenecks, what are those um, you know growing pains that people have that you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, and, and bottlenecks, you're right, can crop up anywhere from your, from your sales pipeline, your leadership pipeline, your performance, um, you know, and, and they're the types of things that if they cropped up overnight, they would be easier to spot and kind of knock out of the way, right? Um, but they don't. They tend to uh, sneak in, build up, calcify, right? Mm-hmm. Strengthen over time, and they become really, really difficult to, uh, to manage. So, um, companies sort of come to me with a variety of aches and pains, mm-hmm. um, right? Companies that are looking to, to scale um, and they show up as a variety of symptoms. It could be that 
Um, one of the most often uh, expressed symptoms that I see or growing pains are, we lost another one of our top performers. Um, and we're not quite sure why, came out of the blue, this was somebody we thought was you know, gonna be with us forever sort of a thing. So that's usually a, a, a big indicator. Um, another one is that um, you know, their, their customers are not as satisfied as they had been. Perhaps they're, they've lost a key customer, they're on the verge of losing a customer, um, they're seeing that the complaints from the customers are rising. So that's another big one. Um, you know, it, it, and it's also often tied to, it's always tied to money, right? So these are mm -hmm. companies that are also saying, you know what, we're, we're not where we thought we were going to be financially. We had a, a you know, a subpar month or quarter or year, um, and we can't quite pinpoint, you know, uh, who's to blame, right? And, you know, which of the employees, um, you know, we have to sort of uh, tweak. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's often kind of a, 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 a knee jerk conclusion. Well, we just have all the wrong people. Um, and you, you might, you might not, but you know, right. you, a, that's a harder question to answer than just the, well, you know, our customers are complaining, there's drama in the office. Um, you know, people aren't performing or, or innovating at the level we need. We must just not have the right people. Um, and obviously you can't grow without the right people, but they may not be the ones that you think they are. Um, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so one of the things, so I, I, you know, I said that um, most companies that I work with kind of come to me with these different symptoms and some of them feel um, similar. And in a lot of cases, they are very unique to that company's situation, the point in their evolution um, you know, this could be a startup that's ready to mature a little bit and not be so management by chaos oriented and flying by the seat of their pants and making up the rules as they go, right? So that's kind of one growth mm -hmm. point. Um, there are others that are, um, you know, family owned and operated businesses that have expanded um, either in, in size, they've added locations, they're in different states now, they've got, um, you know, a much bigger, more national customer, et cetera and realize that the sort of family dinner table type of mm. um, management and resolution of issues is not going to work as you add people to your leadership team that perhaps are not relatives, that are not um, you know, ingrained in your family's DNA. Mm. Um, and then of course, there are other companies that are you know, small to mid-size and growing um, you know, that are just looking to break out of where they are, grow a bit, um, you know, serve, serve different clients and all of that. Um, so they come to me from a variety of, of places, feeling a variety of, ache, of aches and pains. But I always start from the exact same point, mm -hmm. which is to get really crystal clear on what your overall mission is. Um, and it's, you know, it's very um, appropriate that the name of your podcast is On Purpose Growth because <laughs> yeah. mission and purpose are one and the same, right? Yeah. Um, if you follow Simon Sinek, he talks about it in terms of your why. Um, and, and it's such a simple thing to overlook and it is the most foundational, um, thread of your company that you have to get right, that you have to get really, really clear and it may evolve over time. Um, but that is always where I start with any client is to say, let's make absolute sure, you know, why you're in business to begin with, what it is that you're you know, you're, you're charged with what you're chasing after, what the, what the ultimate goal is. 
Um, and you would be surprised how many people cannot articulate their mission. You know, when you start that conversation, they're like, well, this is, this is really basic stuff. Like, why are yeah, we yeah. starting here? And it's like, okay, okay, big shot. Why don't you tell me, right, what, <laughs> exactly. your, what your mission is? Um, and then they struggle to articulate it. I have some clients that when we started working together, I can ask them on, on three different occasions, the CEO, mind you, what your mission is. And I get three different answers from mm -hmm. the same person. Um, and then I get others who will tell me in, you know, glowing terms what they feel their mission or their purpose is. And they say it in front of their senior leadership team. And then I check for understanding with the leadership team and they go, well, that's the first time we ever heard him say it like that. Yeah. Right. So it's, it, it seems basic. It seems like such an easy question, but it's so fundamental and foundational and people just glance right by that. Um, and so until you get that right, you don't know who the right people are to be on your mm -hmm. team. Um, just because they're superstars in a different industry and you've plucked them out, you know, you've cherry picked them and you said, well, they're rock stars over there. They're going to be a rock star here. Doesn't necessarily translate, right? Um, so there's a huge difference between being the right talent, the ones that are going to fully absorb and embrace and buy into and contribute to your mission and those who aren't. And until you know what that mission is, you can't validate who's the right talent. Yeah, and I think there's an underlying um, theme here or principle that says work on the problem and not the symptom. And a lot of times, right. and it's a lot of times, it's like, hey, let's take care of the symptom. We don't have the right people, uh, whatever it may be, when in, in this specific um, area, we'll call it, it's you're not creating what you want because you happen to find the problem. The problem being you're not clear on what your mission is. So right. how can you take action to do anything? Right. Right. And that's, and that is why, um, you know, the, the transformation or the, the stabilization of these companies who are, who are positioning for some growth or some scaling or some evolution has to start from the inside out. The mm. leaders from the top down have to get this, um, they have to buy into it. They have to be able to convey it in, in genuine terms to their people. And then they have to um, find ways to help their people make a connection between the company's mission and what they are uniquely talented at, what they're passionate about, what drives them as individuals, right? Because if you can't make that connection, then you have only kind of gone part of the way. Um, so that transformation you know, happens from the inside out. There's a positive in that, of course, because it sounds like that's a lot of work, and oftentimes it is, but because it's working from the inside out, you have a lot of control over how well or how poorly mm. you, you, know, you kind of dig into that, get your, get your sleeves rolled up, and really you know, embrace um, and define and articulate and strategize around what that mission is. So it, it, you know, it, for, it starts as a basic question, it sounds like this monumental task once you realize it's not as basic as you thought it was, but you have it within your control. Um, you know, I often say to clients, it's not about me coming in and crafting a mission for you. Mm -hmm. It's about me coming in and helping you see through your own forest and pulling out of you, you know, what, what is that core DNA that makes you guys so special, so unique, so different from your competitors. Because until you can define that and articulate that and get everybody around you to, to embrace it, 
you're just going to keep stumbling along and those aches and pains are going to continue. Yeah. It's, uh, in our world, we just call that, um, creating clarity, right? Not that specific thing, but the principle of clarity allows you to take purposeful action, right? And as an, as, as being at one time in an employee of a company, not having that clarity, I could not connect what I was doing to the greater mission of, of the business. So I don't want to say I struggled, but, um, I didn't struggle, uh, uh, the work was unfulfilling. Right. And I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't right. focus That's on exactly it. Right. And, and you just named, yeah. And, and you just named the two key bookends. You said clarity and you said connection. Mm. Um, clarity absolutely around mission is that very first step that you have to get right because you, you build everything else upon that and you can only grow if your foundation is solid. Right. Um, and then it's the connection at that other end that, you know, that every individual employee from the leadership on down to your frontline individual contributor can see the connection between that overall company's mission, its purpose, its why, and, you know, my, my fit, my contribution. So regardless of what my role is, it's less about the bullets on the job description. Mm-hmm. It's more about how, what I do, whether it's, you know, building the strategy for the next 20 years, we're sorting and delivering the mail, it has an impact, a positive impact on moving the company forward, you know, in, in pursuit of its mission. So connection is extremely key. Um, so clarity is foundational, but connection is what's going to help you embed that mission, find and keep and retain and empower the right people and accelerate their performance. So is, um, when you have this, you're able to find the right people that may not have the um, uh, the specific skills to do the job, but have the desire to actually learn. Am I, am I making sense right? You, you are. Yeah. So there's there's uh, there's two um, I think valuable elements to having the right talent, right? Having the will and having the skill. Yeah. Um, so there are absolutely. Um, you know, essential functions of any job that you have to hire for. Um, and if they don't meet those essential functions, then obviously they're not, you know, they're not in the conversation, right? Um, but all else being equal, when you've got, say, a short list for, um, you know, a, a, a critical position, and I would argue any position is critical, um, you know, until you kind of get into that rhythm where you're, you know, you're bringing in those right people um, that kind of connect with you. But they all have to meet those, those minimum standards of what the job requires, but you really never, especially a growing company, you never want to hire just for that position that you are backfilling or filling for the first time. You want to hire for the future, right? Mm. So, um, you know, part of what you are, you're getting at is, um, you know, how often or, or should we be looking for diamonds in the rough? Um, diamonds in the rough quite often are, you know, your, your biggest stars. I, I think about, um, you know, some of the greatest um, quarterbacks in mm-hmm. the NFL who didn't start out as that first, you know, first pick, first right. round of the draft. Um, I'm in New Jersey. I'm a huge Giants fan, and therefore I'm a, 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 a hater of the New England Patriots and of, of Tom <laughs> Brady, too. who has Me now too. moved on. But, okay, so but Tom Brady is, you know, is an example of that. He didn't go first round. Um, you know, he was sort of this, this diamond in the rough that they saw some raw talent in him. 
um, you know, they put him behind, uh, you know, Bledsoe at the time. Yeah. Bledsoe, right? Drew yeah, Bledsoe. it was Bledsoe. It was Bledsoe. Um, yep. So, you know, to kind of to kind of groom him, and then he stepped up to be this, you know, this superstar for that particular, um, you know, dynasty. Uh, and it it really pains me to even talk about him because I am such a Giants fan. But <laughs> but it is a great example of, um, you know, you don't always. How often have we seen that the first round draft pick crashes and burns? Because, right. right, because here, that's a perfect example of we're going to hire the superstar and put him into our system and then scratch our heads and go, why didn't he thrive here? Exactly. Well, right. It's, it's got to be a cultural fit. And I don't mean demographically. When I say cultural fit, I mean that superstar has to be the right talent for your culture, for your organization, for your vision for the future, for how you mm-hmm. coach the team that's, you know, that surrounds that person. Um, otherwise, somebody who is, you know, off the shelf, a superstar, is going to, you know, not live up to your expectations, or at least has a very high probability of failure. Uh, so do you think that, or do you feel maybe sometimes when people are saying we don't have the right talent, they're missing some talent that they already have that they could be developing? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, here, and that's, and that's the other thing. When I get a company that says to me, we need you to come in, we need to grow, but we don't have any of the right people. I say, let's, let's hold off on that conclusion. Mm -hmm. Right. And let's do a little bit of digging first. And that's where that inside out um, starting from mission clarity is so important because they, you know, again, they think that they're clear on the mission and then you do that work um, to kind of, you know, bust apart their, their myth of clarity um, and then, you know, rebuild with them a crystal clear mission. Okay, so now we've got that in place. The senior leadership, the executive leadership is completely bought in. We know that this is our mission. We embrace it. We understand it. Um, now let's reevaluate before we start adding to the team. Mm-hmm. Let's evaluate who we have because the people before you did that exercise, that work, that you said were A players may in fact not be all the right people themselves. And the ones who had, um, you know, been, been put into the C player or B player buckets may in fact be, you know, A players or B players, right? Um, you, you don't, you won't know who's the right talent until you are absolutely dialed in on mm. the type of company you're building, what you're really all about, Um, and what's, so what's interesting is that mission becomes uh, a bit of a GPS for you, not, not just about where you're going, but where people see themselves in their place in your company. Um, it also helps the people who ultimately are the wrong fit to self-select out, Yeah. right? The clearer you are in your mission, that becomes your guidepost for what expectations are we going to convey from a performance standpoint and from a behavior standpoint. And the more consistent you are around how you communicate that and how you reinforce that and how you reward that, the more the people who truly are not the right fit are going to stand out, Um, right? And then they're going to get to the point, you're going to get to a decision point. Either they are going to decide this really isn't the right place for me, or you're going to decide this isn't the right right fit. Um, And you can, you know, you can sort of part ways a, a bit more, I would say amicably, Um, but a bit more in a way that you can defend because you can say this does or does not fit in with our, you know, where we're, where we're headed as a company. 
Um, it also becomes a measuring stick for your clients and your customers, right? Because now you understand which customers and clients are the right ones for you, what service oh. looks like, right? What, what standards of behavior and performance you tolerate and reinforce within your team and therefore in, in your relationship with your clients. So it, I, I can't emphasize enough the, the importance of mission and purpose and having that clarity really, really dialed in. Yeah, I, I love that because um, on our non-corporate side, um, we work with a lot of consultants and one of their largest bottlenecks is they, they, they don't get clarity on who is it they want to serve, how they want to serve them, and they put up with customers that just don't serve them, right? So I'm glad right. you put that up because you have to create a standard around that because you know, doing a bunch of work that you don't want to do in a way that you don't want to do it is going to hold you back from growing your company to where you want it to go. Right. So right. what it sounds like is that holds true at no matter what stage you're at. Um, you could be big or small. I, I, absolutely. That's exactly right. So, uh, um, so is, is, the mission, the core of what you're doing, or just one of the starting points? Uh, it is the starting point, but is by no means the end. So part of what I do um, after we establish mission clarity, which, by the way, you know, some of your audience may be hearing that and saying, oh, my gosh, we don't have time to go through something like that to get our mission right. Um, first of all, you can't afford not to. Exactly. Number, point number one. Yeah. And point number two, this doesn't have to be this, this hugely expensive extensive, expensive, protracted process. Um, with, with some companies, it could take a few weeks, a few months. With other companies, it's a matter of getting the right people in the room, whether physically or virtually, the times we're living in, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for, and it could be a matter of hours or a couple of days to really get that dialed in. To me, you know, like I said before, I don't come into any company and craft your mission for you and sort of invent it out of whole cloth. I come in and, you know, pull out the best of, of what I'm working with and who I'm working with. Um, and just because it takes longer doesn't necessarily mean you guys are a bigger mess. It could yeah, yeah, right. You're, you know, you're more complex. You have more people that you've got to factor into that conversation. Um, you know, you, you might be a composite of, um, you know, a bunch of companies that have come together through mm -hmm. mergers and acquisitions. And they've got, you know, they, they want to, to sort of cobble together in a strategic way the best of all of those different cultures. Um, you know, and, and, and those companies who are acknowledging that they want to do that better um, end up, you know, kind of getting farther ahead because mm -hmm. mergers and acquisitions, uh, especially acquisitions, can, can fail miserably if you don't take into account the different cultures. And if they start out very, very far apart, and you ignore that, that's a recipe for failure. Yeah, it's like you're gonna slowly die without knowing it. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so, so getting to that point of, of crystal clear um, mission clarity is, is that, that foundational work. And then from there, um, we start to diverge in terms of, of what the company uniquely needs, but a lot of that is around um, you know, like I said before, once you get the clarity, now you have to assess how far off you are from having the right people, the right behaviors, hmm. the right processes, the right measuring sticks, if you will, to move the needle towards your mission. Um, so some of it is, is an assessment process. 
and alignment process, um, you know, sort of taking a fresh look at your hiring um, perspective, I would say, not so much the process, but the okay. filters through which you are evaluating people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that of that work as well. But but basically what I do with, with all of my clients is get to that mission clarity, um, do some of that other groundwork to sort of assess where's the where's the gap between what we say we need to achieve our mission, um, you know, in terms of some of the fundamental skills and the and the technical skills, the soft skills, the behaviors, um, you know, that that DNA that you absolutely want to replicate. Um, and what's the what's the gap? And then help them build out a playbook that is unique to them, but is based on best practices, you know, from my 25 plus, I hate admitting that, years <laughs> okay. of, of doing this kind of work, right? Um, and, and so, you know, drawing upon that, so it's not starting from a blank page every time, but it is certainly combining the best practices with what is unique to your situation, your company, your industry, where, where you are right now in your evolution and where you wanna go, um, but giving people a playbook that they can now say, okay, I've got a very clear picture of what we're all about, um, how big the gaps are, what are the gaps that are unique to our situation, and how we go about filling them. Uh, because, it, and it sounds like it's, it's the recipe for effective action rather than just taking any action. There's, there's some type of, uh, I don't want to say certainty, um, but there's some, some form of confidence when you're taking those actions. Is that right? There, there is. And, you know, part of it too is um, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a solopreneur. I certainly have a network where, you know, if it's a more complex engagement, I, I you know, pull in some of my, uh, my resident experts. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm this one woman shop from New Jersey going up against, you know, potentially these, these big ticket um, consulting arms and they have their place, believe me. And they've got, you know, a ton of expertise and a ton of best practices. Um, where we tend to be extremely different is that they can come into a room, they can meet with the senior leadership team, they can get a little bit of input and then they plug it into their model. And 10 minutes later, they can give you a, a 400 page report and recommendations on, you know, what you should do. And then they go away. Hmm. And it's great and it looks, you know, anybody who's, who's spending, you know, the, the, the high ticket money on a consultant like that to get a four or 500 page report, they can show their board, look, you know, we, we paid this and we got this and it's great. But what ends up happening is they put that book on a shelf because those people who helped, you know, define what they should do next went away. Um, and it's not that it's cookie cutter, but it's extremely daunting to be handed such a sizable book of proven best practice recommendations and frameworks you should apply, right? Um, with me, it's a little bit more of, I don't wanna say spoon feeding, but there's this gradual evolution that we work side by side to help them get to. Um, and what ends up happening is, once they sort of get to that next plateau, if you will, of mission clarity, of that gap analysis, and now they've got the playbook in hand, um, they are more confident, they're more competent, and they're, they're better armed with very actionable steps they can take next. What that ends up doing, though, is it raises the level of their game, but it also opens up the doors to higher level challenges than they were facing before, right? Because now they're already maturing, they're evolving. Well, on that next plane, 
they've got, you know, new challenges and it might be around, okay, now we've changed out, you know, a significant portion of our, our team. It, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes it does. Or, yeah. you know, we've decided to kind of shift around how we communicate, where we communicate, what we communicate. Um, you know, and there's this sort of organizational change that's required for that. Um, so my, I don't want to say a typical engagement um, because they are very unique to the, right. the client I'm serving. But um, more often than not, what happens is we come, you know, we come together, get you very clear on your mission and help you tackle within, you know, the first 30 days. What is the, the biggest growth pain? What is the biggest mm -hmm. bottleneck standing in your way? Let's work together to resolve that. And then let's work, you know, hand in hand over time. Um, you know, my goal is not to do a one and done project. I don't, I don't feel that it serves my clients best. Um, you know, I like to come in, get you crystal clear on, on what it is you're all about and why you're in existence, help you solve that first bottleneck. And then let's work alongside each other. You know, let's build this relationship where you don't feel like we did all this wonderful work and now I just gave you the keys <laughs> just yeah, left yeah, you yeah. to your own, you know, to your own devices. So there's this ongoing um, coaching and advisory relationship that gets developed so that they always feel like they've got, um, you know, a sounding board, some additional guidance as they get into higher level challenges, um, you know, and, and all that that might require as they continue to grow. So is one of the, I'm going to breed between the lines here, is one of the growing pains the fact that these companies or companies don't have the proper foundation built and then built upon so it gets harder. And one of the things you're helping them do is um, build those pieces of the foundation so when you hit those new levels and challenges, it's easier, is that? It, yeah, I, I would say you read, you read that quite right. Um, you know, the, the bigger the company, um, the, the longer they've been in existence, the more complex they get. Mm -hmm. the more complex the problems. Right. Um, and so sometimes that, that, that is true that, you know, you're, you're coming in um, and you know, their, their scale or their pivot point that they're at right now is not the first one they've seen, but maybe they didn't do the other previous ones thoroughly. So to your point, there are some cracks in the foundation. So you have to kind of peel back those layers and say, you know, we don't want to revise history, but we also don't want to dismiss it. We want you to learn from that. Um, you know, and I often see that in startups that think that they've evolved to more of a, you know, an adolescent stage, but really are still acting like a startup. They're managing by chaos. They don't really have the right infrastructure in place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those sorts of things. The, the biggest thing that I see, um, especially for the, the companies that are trying to go it alone with their first pivot or, or their first scaling opportunity is their reaction to setbacks. Um, hmm. everyone is going to have setbacks. Everyone is going to run into a brick wall, a bump in the road, you know, call it what you want. Um, if you've done this, you know, this sort of pivoting and scaling and evolving and learning and changing multiple times, you get a little bit better with the setbacks because you know that you may not know what they are, but you know that they're coming. Mm -hmm. A, you know, an, an organization that is growing, maturing, changing significantly for the first time has a bigger challenge with how to deal with the setbacks. Um, so it's part of why, uh, you know, and, and setbacks could be, 
they thought they had the buy-in of everybody, but there's this one fly in the ointment that, you know, just kind of paid lip service to it, but they're a really good performer. What do we do with that? That's mm -hmm. just one, you know, example. Classic, yeah. Um, and it's a classic example, classic, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's part of why I like to build longer term engagements with my clients, because there are always going to be unforeseen challenges as they implement the actions that we've set about for them as they start to implement the playbook um that we can't predict everything and why is that because we're not employing robots right exactly. we've got these uniquely genius uh, human mm -hmm. beings mm -hmm. that we employ um but they come with unique challenges and they're unpredictable so you know that's that's part of why i want to i i always seek to build a longer term engagement um and, and relationship because you are going to come up against challenges and setbacks. You're also going to uncover different ideas that make you want to revisit portions of the playbook or the roadmap that you've designed. Um, and rather than just starting over or just relying upon yourselves to be able to do that, you know, again, it's, it's having somebody come in who's invested in your success, mm -hmm. but is not living in your forest is a very, key um advisor and resource to have over a long term yeah you know something to somebody to the way we describe it is um not allow your own biases to get in your way right you, you can't see what you can't see right and, right. and there is right. a is a value to that and there's no answer to um, well, what are you going to be able to see? Like, well, I don't know, right? Like right. we need right. to develop this so, uh, so I can learn. So, right. uh, that's, that's interesting. So what, um, what else, what else haven't we talked about that's important in regards to the growing pains? Um, you know, I, I think for me, from my experience, not just with clients that I've worked with, but even myself as a business owner, um, we tend to think we're going to figure everything out on our own. Um, and because of that, you know, we, we all eventually need to lean on somebody else who's been there before, um, who kind of knows, you know, how to get through the darkest portions of the forest um, in the right direction, right? Because especially if you're way in the middle of the forest, yeah. Any direction could be the absolute, there's 360 <laughs> degrees and only one degree is going to get you out, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, do you really want to just guess, you know? Yeah. Um, I had a flashback to the movie Princess Bride with the rodents yeah. of unusual size. But um, anyway, if you haven't seen that, you got to look, you got to look for that. Yep. Um, and I just totally lost my train of thought. Uh, so, Princess Bride. Uh, so you were talking about um, having someone that could show you where to go, you know, not yeah. doing it on your own. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially in the beginning, especially if it is your first pivot point or your first opportunity you're going to seize to scale, um, you know, leaders tend to wait a little bit too long to bring in the outside help. Mm. And it doesn't always have to be super time consuming or even super expensive. Sometimes all you need is that sounding board. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have, I have CEOs and founders who have just tapped into me, you know, for a couple of weeks or a month just to say, you know what, I want to make sure my head is on straight, that I'm thinking of this properly. Um, you know, we, we often hear that the CEO lives a very lonely life professionally, right? Um, because they always feel like either I don't have anyone else on my team that I can talk to at a very strategic visionary level 
they're just not equipped for that. So that's sort of, you know, myth one. And the other myth is if I try to share this with my senior leadership team, let alone with the employees, that I'm noodling some things and I don't have all the answers, they're going to interpret that as a weakness. Mm. And that is a huge myth because it couldn't yeah. be more wrong, right? It's the opposite. The opposite it's is absolutely, true. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what you're doing is you're not admitting weakness. You're demonstrating transparency. You're mm -hmm. expressing a certain degree of vulnerability, right? It, look at Brene Brown does amazing work on that, yep. on that topic. And it's true. And vulnerability is a completely different animal from weakness. Um, in fact, I've seen, you know, the, some of the greatest leaders I've ever worked for or worked with or observed know how to demonstrate vulnerability and know that everybody has weaknesses. And if, if you think you've got to hold all your cards that close to the chest and not express, you know, some uncertainty in how we're going to get through this together, that does become your weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that hubris or that narcissism that says, I always have to have all the answers. And if I don't have the answers, I'm just going to say it with a great degree of confidence and authority. And they're just going to, you know, fall in line. Um, command and control, that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, no, not at all. And I might suggest too, that there's even an in-between there of the, um, I don't want to call it fake it till you make it transparency, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and vulnerability that um, is as, as um, uh, hurtful or uh, challenging to the culture as the hubris and uh, the narcissism of having all the answer, right? I've been in an experience yeah. like that. And I was like, God, like I can see like right through it, right? It, it, yeah. it drives people out of businesses. It, it's, it's such a key point. Um, you know, that the, the idea of, or the principle of authenticity mm. or genuineness, right. Um, and even going back to that, you know, getting, getting very clear in your mission, it has to be authentic to the company you're building, right. You can't just go in and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to kind of workshop think tank this for a bit and have somebody say, I was Googling great mission statements all night last night. And I've got my, my top three. And it's like, Okay, first of all, mission statement is not a mission, number one. Yeah. Um, right? They're very, very, very different. And number two, it's not, a, it's not a matter of, you know, it's sort of like saying the difference between the best talent and the right talent. It's not about finding the best mission. It's about finding the right mission, what is truly core to yeah. who you guys are, what you're going to be all about, and what's the quest that you are uniquely on. Um, and so authenticity of mission and of message is hugely important as it is, you know, with the leaders that are trying to, you know, take up that charge. Um, I talked to some leaders about, you know, um, working with them either individually or in groups about, you know, the importance of inspiring and motivating your employees. And invariably they say, well, that's not, you know, I'm not really an inspirational type of a leader. I'm not charismatic. I'm not this, I'm not that. Um, and those are the people that I like to work with because first of all, they've got a degree of humility mm -hmm. that, you know, give me a humble leader over a narcissistic leader any day of the week because any you can day. work with them. Right. Um, and I always say to them, you know, don't, don't discount yourself. Charismatic does not necessarily mean inspiring and every leader has it within them to inspire their people. The more self-aware they are and the mm -hmm. more authentic they are to, you know, to their true voice. And that sounds a little bit woo and it sounds a little bit like, you know, uh, an art, not a science, 
Um, and it is an art, but the key is you have to tap into, um, you know, the, the, the natural way that you kind of see the world and what, you know, what drives you and your behavioral style and all those sorts of things, but don't fight those, embrace those. You might be more soft-spoken, you might be more introverted, um, you know, you might, might be shy or, or what have you, um, but you, you just wanna be, you wanna amp up your self-awareness and you wanna be very genuine. The worst thing you can do, and you said fake it till you make it, and I 100% agree, um, it's not a mentality you wanna embrace. The worst thing leaders can do is see the role of leader as a, as a costume they have to put on, right? As mm. a role that they play versus a, um, you know, an obligation. Um, and it's, it's really a calling, right? If, if you aspire to leadership or you're sort of drafted into leadership, you want to go into it from that right perspective saying, I've got a duty, I've got an obligation to um, give my people that are trying to follow my example every opportunity to succeed because it benefits no one if they fail. Oh, gosh, you know, uh, <laughs> the failure becomes a ripple effect, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, I, I love this because um, I think what what I hear you saying is like, you know, for the mission and, and, and that there's an essence to it that you have to tap. This is not something you Google and find right. because the, the, the answer is internal, not external. Uh, right. and, and one of the ways we, we, uh, you know, we describe, um, we don't have people put together a mission, but I think attached to that is how you differentiate yourself out in the marketplace. You can, you can stop saying that you're better than other people and you can clearly communicate why your potential prospects and customers want to work with you. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it, and it's one of the things that as a, as a business owner, um, you know, when I kind of went out on my own, it took me a while to understand that. And I made that same mistake that I, that I said that, you know, these, these scaling companies make, I, I waited longer than I should have to invest in somebody mm. outside of my own forest to be a sounding board, to be a little bit of a guide, um, you know, to, to help me see things from different perspectives and get all the voices in my head to kind of, you know, sing in unison and it's, and it's, a, it's huge. So that's, you know, that's one thing that, um, if I had to do it over, I would have invested in, um, you know, a coach or a mentor or a guide, um, you know, far sooner, but you know, it's, 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 it is so important to, um, you know, to kind of get all of that to get all of that right, um, you know, and to, and to do it in ways that, um, you know, really kind of pull from your core, mm -hmm. what your, what your DNA is. Um, Cause you're absolutely right. It is, it is not about, um, you know, coming up with the most moving mission. It's about coming up with the most genuine one um, and really understanding, you know, it, and, and it's the same for me as a, as a business owner, as a leadership consultant, the companies that I work with could pick, you know, they could open whatever the equivalent is to a phone book. I almost said they could open a phone book now. Yeah. Who does that? But they can <laughs> Google, right? Yep. right? They can Google and find hundreds of different um, service providers out there who can do similar work to me. So as you said, my, you know, my unique selling proposition is not I'm better or I'm, you know, that higher value for money or any of that stuff. It's, 
if you could get you know this service from anybody who are you going to mesh with the best right um my you know i i worked in corporate america long enough to know what works there and what doesn't and how they can get out of their own way um and i also worked there long enough to know that i didn't quite fit well into the corporate box right yeah, i was a right. bit too goofy my walk was a little too happy i had this internal monologue going the entire time i was you know in corporate um and it doesn't it doesn't work for everybody so again it's kind of the difference between do you want the best consultant or the right consultant do you want the yeah. best employee or the right employee do you want the you know the best customer whatever that looks like or the right customers that are going to help you you know fulfill what your mission is so it, it's it's important for any business owner from a solopreneur to a you know a global um, behemoth to really understand you know, what they are uniquely about, what they're uniquely pursuing and what their unique quest is. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I love that, that you not only are helping other companies do this, you've done it for yourself. Right. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and that says a lot, right? Because there's, there's a lot of people out there that maybe, maybe call it academic or book knowledge that are out there trying to apply things. But, um, to really serve somebody, in my opinion, really serve somebody, you, you apply yourself and then you go show them how to do it. So, um, so I appreciate you on that. Well, I appreciate your time. This was, uh, this is a great conversation. I know it's going to help uh, a lot of people who are, uh, you know, listening or watching. So how can they get a, a hold of you? How can they find, uh, find you when they're watching and listening to this? Sure. Uh, the best way to find me is uh, my website, which is clairechandler.net. Um, there's a lot of uh, resources on there. There's some, uh, some really good free resources that people can download and start to apply to their businesses immediately mm -hmm. uh, and get some value out of that. And uh, you can see uh, more of my podcasts that I've had the opportunity to be on, uh, read some of the articles I've written. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, there's a variety of ways to schedule some time. Cool. And, and anybody either watching or listening to this, if you didn't write that down, don't worry. It's going to be posted <laughs> wherever this has been published, whether you can, um, you know, you're viewing it or listening to it. So we'll have that there. You'll be able to get a hold of, uh, of Claire. So, um, you know, I appreciate everybody tuning in. And Claire, again, I, I'm grateful uh, you came on and it was a great conversation. And, uh, you know, I know people are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you. Thank you. I had a great time. I really enjoyed our conversation. Cool. Well, thanks everybody again, and we'll see you on the next uh, episode of the uh, On Purpose Growth Podcast. Take care. The following BLTV program is brought to you by O'Flaherty Law. Please enjoy.